you have your Bibles tonight, I'll take your attention to 2 Chronicles, the 14th chapter. The Lord laid this message on my heart, I'm guessing three months ago, and rarely do I hold a message to preach, but I understood the timing of this message and the importance of the hour that was ahead of us and to get to where we are was very important before that I preached this message. Again, next week, the Lord has already laid a message on my heart several weeks ago, and I rarely know from this week until next what I'm going to preach. Sometimes I don't know Sunday afternoon until I pass a road sign and discover what I'm going to preach. Just kidding a little bit. But several weeks ago, the Lord laid a message on my heart for next week. I'm looking forward to preaching it. It is going to set the tone for next year. This message tonight is not a message of looking back. We have done our share of looking back and reflecting. And it is not that we are ungrateful because there is a time to look back and then there is a time to look ahead. And we are in such a season, God has brought us to such a season and a time as this to look ahead. Tonight I want to preach for a little bit from 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Brother Corey, maybe just a little bit of monitor here might help me just a little bit tonight. I'm not sure if that's my struggle tonight. It sounded good out front, but here... Just a, There you go. Thank you very much. That helps me. Don't let me hurt everybody out front. You know, the sound men are the most unrecognized and unthanked group. Let's give them a great big hand. We appreciate their work. Brother Adams back there tonight running the screen, keeping us at pace with the songs, and we appreciate them very, very much. Second Chronicles chapter 14, and I'll begin with verse number 1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, meaning that he died. And they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years. Everybody say it was quiet for ten years. There were no women there. I'm just kidding. I feel the fiery darts of the enemy coming at me. Oh, Lord, I got to pull this together. Forgive me, Jesus. And Asa did that which was good in and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. Also, he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places 
and the images and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we've sought the Lord our God and we have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah 300,000 and out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows 204,000. All these were mighty men of valor. There came out against them the Zerah, the Ethiopian, with the host of a thousand thousand. And 300 chariots came unto Mersha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set a battle array in the valley of Zephah, the Mersha. And Asa, said, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it's nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. I'm going to pull from this passage tonight, and I, I'm not going to be able to preach everything that is in this text, although I would like to, but you would not like for me to because it would take a long time to preach this whole text. But I'm going to try to be concise with it tonight. But I want to preach what the Lord has given me to speak into your spirit tonight. And I'm going to speak on the subject, while we build. While we build. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we need your help tonight to speak the vision that you have laid into my spirit. God, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'll stand in your will tonight. God, asking for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the unction of your spirit, to rest upon my tongue tonight, to speak what you have laid upon my heart. God, I pray for every heart of every believer in this room right now. And the words, O oh Lord, that I do not speak tonight, that by the transfusion of the Holy Ghost, Lord, you speak it into the hearts of the people, God, as your word will not go out void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you were sending it. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Tucked away here in 2 Chronicles, the 14th chapter, is an interesting little story about a time that is very fitting for us as a church. 
a very famous king of Judah by the name of Abijah had died, and his son Asa reigned in his stead. And the Bible says that the land was quiet for 10 years. No, it wasn't because there was no women there. But it is saying that there was no war in the land for 10 years. It was quiet in the land. Now, in this day, this is a very rare thing. It was a day of barbarians. People fought for their very own existence. Kingdoms were constantly being challenged. And if there was no war without, there were uprisings within. This is a time so similar to the church that I could almost draw a parallel between those days and the kingdom of God. When a few weeks pass with everything going well and nobody's received bad news, nobody's been diagnosed with an incurable disease, nobody's family is being torn apart, and nobody's leaving the church. Or a few weeks without receiving hate mail or somebody upset over something, it almost makes me nervous. Because it seems that we can only go so long before something happens that causes a stir. This is how it was in the kings of Israel. So for a land to go 10 years with no war and no uprising is truly noteworthy. And the Bible said in verse 2 that Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Now, there is a reason that we need to talk about this because Asa did that which was good and right. We live in a day where that seems to be a rare occurrence because people aren't concerned with whether they do that which is good and right, but rather what benefits them. Now, he followed his father, and no doubt Asa picked up some of the great qualities of his father. But Asa didn't make the same mistakes that his father had made. In verse 3, the Bible said that he took away the altars of the strange gods. And he took away the high places. And he broke down the images and he cut down the groves. This is, in other words, he took away all of the things that were connected to idolatry, to idol worship. He took down the high places, meaning the places of governmental control that opposed the people of God. That he took them down. He took down the strongholds of the region. Now, you're going to have to remember this message next week so that you can tie these two together. Because I'm not going to preach them both tonight. Appreciate the vote of confidence, Cameron. He 
also took out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, the Bible says. He took out the high places and the images and the kingdom was quiet before him. He did all of this and the people didn't say anything about it. Now that tells me that people in Asa's day that lived under the leadership and under the authority of Abijah appreciated the good that Asa was doing. They saw it, they recognized it, and they appreciated the good that he was doing. I believe that people still appreciate leaders who take a strong stand. And I'm going to go a little further and say, I believe that if we as leaders take a strong stand, that we may learn that it will silence a lot of people who will oppose our morality and, God, and godliness. And it will quiet those who choose to oppose. Now get this, because people with no backbone will get ran over by those who have a problem with their separation. I know that the Bible says to comfort the feeble-minded, but it doesn't say to let knuckleheads control your life and family and your future and the church because there is something more important than how much we enjoy and how, how much we like what is going on around us because the most important thing about the church is reaching the lost and making disciples. And anything beyond that is just a benefit. Can I preach what I really feel tonight? I love our music program more than any of you love it. I got to tell you, it's in my heart. It's in my soul. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes, I do. But I'm going to go a little bit beyond that surface thing that I just said to you and tell you that this music program is not for my enjoyment. It is about His enjoyment. They're not singing to me if I don't like the song they sing. It's not about me. They are singing as unto the Lord. And whatever they sing is not about pleasing me, but it ought to reach out into our community, reach out outside the doors of this church. It ought to try to draw people in and get people to adore him and magnify him. In our personal lives, if we're living so that we are not doing good and doing right as Asa did, we need to make a change in our life and do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Remove the idols. Take down the strange altars. Command the people to seek the Lord. Now, I'm not giving you a right to become a religious bully. I've known some of those in my day. 
they, they use religion as an opportunity to bully everybody. But I am telling you that as people of God, we live in a day that we're going to have to stand up and do what God has called us to do. And to stand on the word of God because there is nothing more important than reaching the lost. I need to get back to my text. So Asa, verse 6 says that Asa built fenced cities in Judah. Now, this is another noteworthy thing in this passage because nobody built fenced cities. This was a day, this was a time when people, when the kings and the people built walled cities with reinforced gates, with guards around about them. The cities are told about are historical walls that have a breadth wide enough to run a certain number of chariots, but the Bible said that Asa built fenced cities in Judah. Now this is noteworthy because the Bible said that during his reign that the Lord gave them peace. Now let me take a little time here to preach to you tonight that we are in such a struggle in that as a church we have been for some four or five years, we have been five years I guess it is, that we have been in the process of preparation toward building. This year we have taken the step forward. And over this past year, over $100,000 that you have given to launch into a building program. Of the $100,000 that you have given, about $30,000 of that, 30 some odd thousand dollars of that has gone toward payments, almost $40,000 and some $72,000 has been put in the foundation, the slab, the underground work in preparation for where we are going to. This is amazing. This is wonderful. And now we are in the process of waiting for the thumbs up to begin the construction, and hopefully this will happen in the next few weeks, to begin the wood structure as it begins to go up and get us in the dry so that we can step in and begin to do the mechanical and finish work. A lot of people warned me as a pastor. I have had pastors who have been through building projects that have called me. I have one pastor whom you would know if I called his name that has over and again, even this week, stopped by to remind me that the average pastor who builds a church lasts no longer than three years and then he leaves. Because the stress of this building project is going to put me under. And I smile and tell him as long as I'm doing what God has called me to do, we're going to keep building. While the, while the discouragers are there, and while people have warned us that this is a huge task, we understand the task that is set before us. And we recognize that as we have moved into a building project that there is a lot of stress that has been involved. 
Perhaps if we had known the level of stress that would have been involved, maybe, just maybe, I would have reconsidered. Maybe I would have stepped aside and let you lead the project. But somebody had to do it. And so we step forward by faith. And we're moving forward by faith. And we understand that where we are going is greater than where we have been. But there are some things that I've got to speak to you tonight because the Lord has spoken some things into my spirit from this passage. Because while they built, the Bible said that the Lord gave them peace. I understand the potential of problems. I understand the potential of trouble. But I come tonight to declare that I've been through a few hard knocks in my life and I've lived long enough to tell you that there are more for us than than there is against us. There is more with us than there are opposing us. And I come to tell you that when the Lord is on our side, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? So I tell you tonight that while everything may not be falling into place the way we wanted it to, stand on the faith and know that God is going to give Christian Life Church peace while we build. For the land had rest, the Bible said, and had no war for those years because the Lord had given them rest. God gave me a word a couple of months ago, and I'm about to share it with you because the Lord has given us peace while we build. But the second thing I want you to know that God has given us while we build is the Bible said that the Lord gave them rest. Somebody told me the other day, Brother Jordan, you got to be careful. You're going to wear the people out. Brother Jordan, you're going to tire the people down. I understand the stress that's going to be on our shoulders. I understand where we are. As a matter of fact, I've not made an appeal like I'm going to make to you tonight. But the appeal that I'm about to make to you tonight is that we need more than 6 or 8 or 10 or 12. But we need out of our 260 some odd members that are, of this, that are part of this church, we need every one of you on board with what we are doing because there is a huge task before us. But this is what I understand that there can be 10 to a project or there can be 50 to a project and it's a whole lot easier if 50 does the project than 10. I embarked upon a task yesterday because I wanted to set a record on Armstrong Street for the craziest person that's ever lived there that would dare to mow and rake their lawn the day after Christmas in Indiana. It was a big task. I failed to get the job done back in November. The leaves were piled deep. The yard was looking terrible, to say the least. The bushes had never been trimmed in the fall like they should have been. And so I called for help. It was amazing at what four of us did in an hour and a half. As my three boys rose with just one call yesterday morning, thank you guys, you made a great example for me tonight. There was one, one, one little phone call I made, or text message maybe it was. I text all of their phones because I knew they wouldn't hear me if I called them by name. So I said, I know how to get their attention. Send a text message this morning. And they will wait to respond to their friend's text message and they're going to discover it's dad's and I'm going to know that they read it because it comes back delivered. (laughs) And I sent it through and I heard the feet hit the floor as they rose to the occasion. 
And we stepped out on a task that would have taken me all day long in an hour and a half before the rain. We didn't get too wet. But we stepped out and did a day's worth of work for one man in about an hour and a half because four of us jumped in together. I'm saying this to say to you tonight that while none of us have enough time to conquer this task on our own, but everybody in this church being part of this building project is crucial to our completion. Not on day one or day two. Thank you. You have been amazing. We went out and started the demolition project. We had 50 some odd men and women that showed up. 30 something men that were involved in one day's project. 38 men I believe was on the job one particular day. And we conquered a huge battle in the matter of about four full work days. We saw a building come all the way down and be completely stacked and stored and ready to go uh, to its new owner thank you for your faithfulness but I want to speak to you about the future and where we go from here I know not everybody is going to be able to be there every day but it will require everybody to be part of what we're doing and here's what I believe I believe that God is going to give us rest while we build let me get down here where you are tonight I want to share a little story with you that I have, I have heard for the last 25 years. And it's a story that goes something like this. It's a story that comes from Sister Price. And I'm going to try to tell it as properly as I can, as I can tell it tonight. But I've heard my mother-in-law tell it over and over again. As her grandmother, Sister Rose Pamer, would tell Sister Price and her sisters, Years ago, we're talking in the 1930s, I would guess, as they would catch uh, a train car, a trolley car, to get to the church. And services in those days lasted longer than an hour and 15 minutes. For they would last a long time, and then they had tarrying service after that. And people would tarry for the Holy Ghost to, the, to late nights and wee hours of the morning. And Sister Price would tell the story, and I heard her tell the story many times that they would catch the trolley car and get home near the midnight hours as they would get back to their home after being in service on Sunday. And they had to get up the next morning to go to school. And Sister Pamer would say to her, to her children, you go to bed now. And I'm going to pray that God is going to double your sleep. He's going to double your rest. Here's what I'm trying to speak to this congregation tonight. That I believe that every sacrifice you have made financially and that every sacrifice you are going to be making financially and that every hour that you are spending and everything that you are giving to this building project it's not going unnoticed in heaven. I believe that while you may be sacrificing two or three evenings and two or three Saturdays every month to be able to be part of what God is doing, whatever it is and whatever level, I'm going to be personally praying and I'm going to ask every prayer warrior in this congregation to join with me. And if you're a note taker, I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on your refrigerator. Put it at the top of your prayer list because I believe that God answered prayer. Sister Price said it never hurt us. We always got 
got up and went to school the next day because I believe that God doubled our rest while we were sleeping through the night. And she would tell it emphatically. And this family can share with you more the details of that story. But I'm coming tonight to declare to Christian Life Church that God is going to give us rest while we build. We're not going to be too tired to pray in the altar. We're not going to be too weary to teach a Bible study or too tired to show up to church. But we're going to show up and God is going to give us rest while we build. We're going to have revival while we build. We're going to have a harvest while we build. We're going to have souls on the altar while we build. And God is going to give us rest while we build. Now let me be clear. Christian Life Church is doing more than building a building. Because I believe we are building families. And we are building leaders. And we are building ministries. And we are building strong men and women. And we are building teenagers. And we are building children. While we build, we must not take our focus off of the very mission of the church. And that is reaching the lost. Souls should be considered in everything that we do in 2016. Next week, you're going to hear some challenges that I'm going to lay out to this congregation. Leadership gurus tell us that good leaders know when the season is about to change in a church. Good leaders are able to sense the season of change before everyone else knows that it's coming. So says the leadership gurus. I just want to say it like this to you tonight. If I could share with you what I feel in my spirit that is on the horizon for 2016, it would blow your mind. You wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Some of you would say, there goes our pastor getting crazy again. But I've been crazy before and God has come through in time times past and I know he's going to do it again but I prophesy to you tonight that we're going to have revival in 2016 while we build revival is going to keep happening in the church I'm going to jump ahead into next week and just give you a reason to rejoice this week and you can rejoice again next week. But this week my wife gave me the numbers of where we are as a congregation and what our growth pattern has looked like. And we were concerned. I was concerned with where we were as a church as we were driving to Texas and she was crunching numbers and working with Sister Mary Blackburn and Sister Jamie Townsend and thank these ladies for being faithful and helping us keep track. Sister Charlene Mulberg, all of these that are helping under this ministry to keep track of, 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 our, of our attendance and where we are and she said babe I gotta tell you we're on target again 2015 another 14% growth in Christian Life Church that's remarkable year after year after year God is adding to the church but our greatest revival is still yet to come it's still yet to come Be seated for a moment. Give me a little more time if you would. I want to speak to every ministry leader, every member, every Sunday school teacher, every department leader, no matter where you serve in this church. If your plans for 2016 
Don't give opportunity for us to reach new people. Change your plans. Because 2016 is going to be the greatest year for growth we've ever seen. I'm believing God for it. I'm trusting God for it. Oh, I want to preach what I'm going to preach to you next week so bad because it's all over me right now. But I'm going to tell you that where we are going is greater than where we've been. I'm going to tell you that what God has given us and the keys to this city that God has given us, we've only tapped into a little bit of where we are going. Next week, I'm going to be sharing with you some things in the Holy Ghost of where God has taken us to. Get ready because we're a, this is just a launching pad for where God is wanting to take the church. And so the Lord gave them rest. Verse 7 said on every side. You know what? I believe God's going to give us rest on every side. The third thing I want to tell you about while they built, the Bible said that they prospered. Hmm. I like the word. It's not just talking about finances. But they could be part of it. They prospered while they built they prospered while they built. Oh, I'm so worried. I'm just fretting over it. I'm just, oh, I'm so, I just don't know. I'm just, I'm going to up. God had never been nervous. Give me a break. We get nervous. We worry about things. Most things we worry about never come to pass. Why am I worried about God's promise? I believe that 2016 is going to be the greatest year of prosperity for Christian Life Church. We're starting the year off with high expectation and high, a high level of preparation. One week from tomorrow, we'll kick off our 40-day journey of our fasting season. One week from tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. On several levels am I ready. And my knees are ready. On more levels than one. January the 23rd will mark the 21-day leg of our fast leading up to the Awakening Revival Conference. It's going to be greater than it's ever been. As a matter of fact, we're not cutting it down, but we're making it greater. Because on Friday night, before we have our union and community service, on Friday night, we're going to have a revival service right here with pastor, evangelist, prophet, whatever you want to call him, Rashidi Collins is going to be with us. And if you have not experienced the ministry of Rashidi Collins, get ready. It's like a jet airplane going to be released. He's going to be preaching on Friday night. Our, our unity and com, com, communion service will happen here on Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, Brother Josh Herring is going to kick things off here. We're going to go Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're going to come back on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's going to be coupled with some evangelism that's going to happen that week. Get ready. A harvest of souls is going to happen in Christian Life Church. 
We're moving into this new year with expectation and preparation. It's going to happen in the name of the Lord. Backsliders are coming home. Brand new sinners are coming into the house to be saved. Baptismal waters are going to be stirred. The altars are going to be full. Revival is coming in 2016. And Christian Life Church is going to prosper in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. And the Bible said that Asa had an army of mighty men, but no war. Yet they were still considered mighty men of valor. Can I speak to you tonight? I want to speak not to those of you that are so easy to get on board. And I thank God for you because you make my job much easier. But for those of you who are more skeptical and have been a test and the test of my faith as pastor sometimes trying to get cooperation and participation and get you on board. I want to speak to you tonight as well. I love you. Some of you have so much to offer the church. Don't wait until you are in battle to join the army. Because the independent spirit that is represented by some make it very, very difficult because you want to be your own man or your own woman until you are in battle. Then you want the church. But you have so much to help if you would get on board with the church while we are at at rest and while we are at peace and before we are in war to go ahead and get on board and say, you know what, I'm going to help them fight a while. I'm going to help fight with the pastor instead of against the pastor. I know you don't like it when I get straight with you, but I'm going to preach what the Lord gave me about three months ago to preach into your spirit tonight. We're going to get on board and work in unity in 2016. And when we get on board and begin to war together and fight against the real enemy, the devil, that wants to destroy your home, your family, your health, your finances, this community, this church, when we get on board and work in God's army, together we will see victory. Together, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. God has given us a time of rest so we can build. Pastor, now, what do I do when I'm attacked? I'm going to try to wrap this up with this thought tonight. Be sure that you're in the right place to do battle. When you are attacked. Be sure you are in the right place to do battle when you are attacked. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? How can I how can I decide where I'm gonna be when I'm attacked? Because it matters where you are before you're attacked. Oh, I'm preaching real good to you. I'm not willing to fight the enemy on the enemy's turf. I choose home court advantage. 
And I'm going to tell you where home court advantage is, right smack in the middle of everything God is doing in the church. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Keep control of your environment at a time of peace. And you will have control of your environment in time of battle. I come tonight to tell you that some of us, if we're not fighting a good fight of faith, we're wandering off in la-la land. The enemy comes, knocks you down. When you are not in, when you are at rest and when you're at peace, be in the center of God's will. So when he comes against you and he comes in to fight you, he's got to fight you in the center of God's will. Oh, I'll tell you where I want to be when the devil attacks me. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be at the altar of the Lord. I want to be with the people of God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Verse 12, Brother Adam, if you can put it up. Verse 12. If you can get it up here, I just want to I just want to close with this. So the Lord so the Lord smote them. That's all I need. So the Lord smote them. Because when you take charge of your location, the Lord is going to fight for you. I close with the Lord is going to fight for us while we build. Don't worry. Don't fret. Victory is ours in 2016. It is ordained to the Lord. Don't fear. God is fighting for us. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against us shall be brought down. Revival is happening while we build because the Lord is fighting for us. He is fighting for us. If God is on our side, what do we have to fear? not worried about what this building project's going to do. It's the the greatest thing that this church has ever launched into because while we build, God's fighting for us. Thirteen people were there in my living room. Eight years ago, meeting the first Friday night before the very first awakening service the word of prophecy came forth in my living room to the 13 people that were there Sister Cindy Brooks looked at me and said Pastor while I was praying she said the Lord gave me a vision She said there were 10,000 angelics, angels that were on white horses. And she said they were going before you. And they were fighting for you. And she said when you came through, she said your sword was not even drawn. She said you were walking through the territory that they had already conquered for you.
I've never let go of that prophecy. The word of God is going to be the only sword I have to draw. Because I believe God is fighting for us. Christian Life Church, God is going ahead of us. I declare in 2016 the way it's already been paved. God is already opening the doors. God is already making a way out of no way. I see your family saved. I see physical healings happen. This is the year of miracles. This is the year of signs. This is the year of signs and wonders. This is the year of the miraculous happening before our eyes. Oh, is anybody ready to step into it? Are you ready to step into it while we build that God is going to send a revival? God is going to send the miraculous. Oh, I'm done. I'm not preaching any further. Respond to what God is speaking into your spirit right now. Come on, see your enemy defeated. See your, this is how we're going to win right here. This is how we're going to win right here. We're winning by surrender. We're winning by getting on the Lord's side. Yes. That's it. Believe the Lord for your miracle. Believe the Lord for your miracle. Lay hold on it with faith tonight. Lay hold on it with faith. Worship is the way. Worship is the way. 